The Progress Report is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network. A new pod on the network that I want to highlight is the inaugural episode of Take Back the Fight from the indefatigable Nora Loretto. She explains how she conceived of the book uh, of the same name and how Harsha Walia's definition of feminism helped ground her analysis. Become a supporter of Harbinger and get exclusive supporter-only content at harbingermedianetwork.com. Now, on to the show. Friends and enemies, welcome to The Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney, recording today here in Amiskochiwaskaigan, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory on the banks of the Kasiskasa-Wanisipi or the North Saskatchewan River. Joining us today is Sandy Garasino, a columnist with the National Observer, and someone who has written and researched and really kind of covered the topic of today's podcast uh, better than than most and really has done some incredible work on it. Uh, and the topic of today's podcast is, of course, what else but the utterly shambolic and now completed public inquiry into anti-Alberta energy campaigns, uh, sometimes known more colloquially as the Allen Inquiry. Uh, Sandy, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me on, Duncan. How are you doing? I am doing okay. Uh, <laughs> seeing this report uh, go down in flames after uh, a two-year process that was uh, riven with scandals and incompetence is, is very satisfying, uh, personally speaking, just because in April of 2019, Jason Kenney was threatening to personally go after me and my organization. So, so yeah, I'm feeling good. I would say so. I, I, well, I would, I would think so. And it's in a way it's kind of anticlimactic, isn't it? Because there's nothing that we didn't really know or not very much anyway, that we didn't know that was, that was in there. Yes. There are no huge revelations that were contained in the 650 plus page final report and really, this uh, this sad, sordid, and competently run sham of a public inquiry is, is finally over. And yes, it really is with a whimper, uh, and not with a bang. What what were your uh, what were your big takeaways? I know you wrote a, a column for the the National Observer on this. What what was your big takeaway? Well, there are, there are two big takeaways. I was interested to see the New York Times report um, reporting on this today, where they were point. And, and they caught a detail that had slipped my my quick review of the report, um, which is that in the period 2003 to 2019, um, Canadian environmental groups raised over $8 billion. And in that period, a maximum of about $59 million and maybe or probably less went into funding um, the tar sands campaign, which was the only identifiably so-called anti-oil, um, anti-Alberta, um, yes, anti-Alberta. Well, the, this is where the things get fuzzy because Alan doesn't restrict his definitions quite so clearly, but only that amount went into the went into directly um, pipe direct pipeline and oil and gas extraction. Activities, so that's less than one percent um, of all the money that was raised by Canadian environmental groups, and this includes Canadian funds that were were um, were raised domestically. So, I mean, that should have just been the end of it. 
<laughs> like why why are we going any further you know where's where's this giant conspiracy that like this is all over the other point that i i felt is you know albertans are three and a half million dollars poorer and pretty much the piece that i did in what october 2019 almost or over two years ago now um covered all this territory using pretty much all the same publicly accessible information that the that the Allen inquiry accessed and I did it for free and my numbers were pretty much the same um, and I but I had had more information but finally the biggest point is private citizens were subjected to an inquiry in which the legislation permits the the inquiry commissioner to subpoena witnesses, to compel them to produce documents. Private citizens who were doing nothing wrong, it's admitted right from the get-go, there was nothing wrong, nothing improper, nothing illegal in any way, certainly not criminal. The only thing that was wrong was that Jason Kenney and the, and the um, UCP didn't like what the environmentalists, what some of the environmental community were doing, and on that basis alone, subjected them to an inquiry where they could be hauled before a commissioner and ordered to produce their emails, their communications, their private text messages, all of these, all kinds of documentation could have been compelled had Steve Allen decided to go that route. And I think that that, is, that should send a chill down the spine of every Albertan and every Canadian because that was unquestionably an absolute abuse of power. Yes. I mean, abuse of power is the term you use in your piece. It, and you make a, a pretty convincing case that it was, even though Alan didn't ultimately end up using the powers of a provincial judge to you know, compel testimony and documents and evidence, he could have. And by all rights, accorded to him, he could he and, could have held you know the Pembina Institute by its ankles, or even Progress Alberta and me by my ankles, and shaken loose whatever bit of information he would have wanted out mm -hmm. of my organization, uh, if if they had so desired. Despite the fact that again, we never did anything wrong, illegal. There was no finding of misconduct or wrongdoing or misinformation or, or anything. Right? Yeah, you were exercising. Um, your rights of freedom of association and freedom of expression uh, that you are guaranteed in Canada. And that was being, that, that was absolutely being contested. And I don't have any doubt at all that had Kenny, that that's what Kenny wanted. I feel like that, that I, to me, it was very clear from all the language, everything that Jason Kenny's had to say going into this was that this was what he expected and intended this inquiry to do. It was no surprise to me that he seemed unable to get a retired judge or a senior lawyer who had trial experience to conduct this inquiry because it was clearly an inquisition and clearly improper in every way. It was improper in its terms of reference. It was an impossible fix that Steve Allen found himself in. I think he probably got into much deeper waters than he realized early on. And, and to a certain extent, you know, I've been rather hard on him. Um, others maybe have been harder on him. But, I mean, it's pretty clear that he dug in his heels and he 
was not going to do what was expected of him, which was to do exactly that, which was to haul private citizens um, and dissidents uh, and activists into that commission and and get them to uh, fork over documents. Yes, if, if it had been someone more in the vein of, say, Terence Corcoran from the Financial Post, uh, yes, that that was definitely what Kenny was looking for. He didn't end up getting it because ultimately, by calling by by making it a public inquiry, is bound by all sorts of rules and uh, administrative law that I don't I don't think Kenny or Alan had any uh, clue what they were getting into really when they did it. But in the hands of a cleverer uh, person. Uh, definitely could have done far more harm uh, than it ended up doing, but but ultimately, you know, you know, it, it was a sham that said nothing new that everyone already knew about. It was a waste of time, money, and resources. You know, it was pure propaganda from the beginning. But what what struck out to me uh, about the report, <laughs> reading it yesterday, was Steve Hallen having an existential crisis about the report itself. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, about 90% of the way through the thing, yeah. you know, this is, this is on page, what, 597 or something of a 650 page sum report. And here's the, here's the quote. Let, let me know what you think about this. Oh. I agree that on its own, the label anti-Alberta or anti-Albertan is not helpful or constructive. It does not reflect the objectives or work of this inquiry. Well, the, the title <laughs> of the inquiry is the is, public inquiry into anti-Alberta energy campaigns. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is why I say I feel like, and, and as you know, I had some communications with um, uh, Mr. Allen early on, and I, we had discussed this, and we discussed the terms of reference. And he, his discomfort was was there right from the get-go, and I don't know how it was that he actually got signed on to something that he that well it was repugnant right from the beginning and he knew it and i don't know whether it was because he was trying to be a loyal soldier um because he or because he thought that the facts that were going to be revealed were going to be much more damning than they were and that this was going to be an easier job for him I don't know what what went wrong, but no, he 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 knew early that he was in trouble, and uh, and it never got better; it only got worse. Yes, I mean it was riven with with scandal after scandal, embarrassment after embarrassment. But I mean, to even justify its own existence, he has to create a definition of what the word anti-Alberta means that has no yeah. relationship yeah. to the English language. Has to completely disregard what the word anti means and and but but we all know what the um house committee on un-american activities was don't we i mean this is we're talking about the mccarthy era this duplicated in every way it had all the flashing red lights that uh that and and clearly from all the language that jason kenney used in in um uh, commencing this commission and launching it was that this is exactly what he intended to do. So I, I don't know really what more there is to say about this, uh, except that it, it 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 was it was so badly framed and actually incompetently framed. Because I would think if I'm if I'm Jason Kenney, 
I want to give enough cover, you know, so that my commission can appear to have better credentials, better bona fides, better indications of good faith, so that then I can stick the shiv in, if you know what I mean. And and he couldn't even do that. No, it was so incompetently run that it wasn't even able to effectively harass his political opponents, which is why it was created in the first place. Yeah. And... You know, I'm I'm glad you brought up Jason Kenney because yes, this was his baby. He, you know, would cam- he campaigned in 2019, 2018, and 2019 on this fight back strategy. It was it was the reliable applause line of every stump speech that he was going to stand on his hind legs and fight for Alberta. And key to this, what it was really like, there was a bunch of planks, but really the three big ones all now lie in shambles, right? Like his lawsuit against the Alberta government or the federal government's uh, carbon tax lost. The public inquiry, uh, an embarrassment that Kenny wouldn't even show up to the press conference for and defend. He had to put his own energy minister out on, on, out on an Island to defend it. And then, uh, and then hilariously enough, the war room, (laughs) which, 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 uh, uh, Steve Allen himself takes a, a few pages out of a 657-page report to level a, a some pretty like clear-eyed and uh, entirely accurate criticisms of the war room, which yeah, very funny. Well, it's the civil war room. <laughs> Yeah. Or the uncivil war room. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh, I hate to see our our, our kids fight, right? Yeah, the war room yeah. and the uh, and the inquiry. But but it, I I did not expect Steve Allen in the inquiry to say. There were several missteps from the outset that damaged its reputation, from which it has not been able to recover. <laughs> its governance and its and accordingly its credibility is seriously compromised by having three provincial cabinet minister cabinet ministers comprising its board of directors. And finally, the real coup de gras. There may be a need for a vehicle such as this, referring to the war room, assuming proper governance and accountability is established, to develop a communications marketing strategy for the industry and or the province. But it may well be that the reputation of this entity has been damaged beyond repair. <sighs> well, I mean, you're in Alberta, so you have a better sense of how this is being received by the public. You know, to a certain extent, we're in a kind of bubble. We've been following this closely for a long time. Some, some, uh, either you or people that you know have been have been implicated in 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 this commission for me it's a lot of people that that i have used as sources or that i have spoken to in a lot of detail but we're really inside a bubble how do you think that albertans are receiving this well i think anything associated with jason kenny right now is just toxic right and he's just an incredibly unpopular person at the at, in charge of an incredibly unpopular government and and there's a reason why he didn't appear and defend this thing because because there's the stink of of death and defeat on him but, you know, this this report will ultimately serve its political purpose, despite the fact that, you know, the media and kind of like, you know, society, broadly speaking, uh, is laughing this thing out of the room. It's still going to do a lot of rhetorical heavy lifting when it comes to the base, when it comes to like, uh, you know, what some people call the extractive right, which is you know, the, uh, a group of folks who are involved in a political project that is based mm-hmm. around, you know, right-wing mm-hmm. politics and, you know, oil and gas. And, you know, it was interesting to see the propaganda spread, right? You know, the big top-line numbers from Allen were kind of immediately dismissed by most media, 
but there was one outlet that decided to run with it. And it would surprise you to learn that that Post Media and the National Post had to change a headline. Of course. Of of the story that they ran, the immediate file that they ran on the on the Allen inquiry. So the initial headline that they wrote, the national piece file on this was foreign donors gave 1.3 billion to Canadian environmentalists to quote hurt unquote Alberta's energy sector report. That uh, I mean, a lot of people call that out as false, and and we are going to get into the numbers. Uh, and that headline was eventually changed to "Foreign Donors Opened Wallets to Hurt quote, to Quote Hurt Unquote Alberta Energy Sector Report." But that isn't before Sonia Savage and a whole bunch of UCP folks, uh, you know, retweeted and bl- bl- blasted out the inaccurate Nash, uh, National Post headline before they changed it, right? I'm surprised that they changed it, to be honest, because when have they, when has their reporting on this issue ever um, hewn close to the truth? I mean, they've just always gone for hyperbole, exaggeration, um, <clears throat> or outright misrepresentation of the facts. So I'm, I was actually surprised that they, that well, they there changed was, it. There was never any kind of note on the story that the headline was changed. It was just changed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kevin Leibin and kind of like the political, like the political major domo over there, I think had his fingerprints kind of all over the story. But maybe the reporter pushed back. I don't know. It would be. be I would love to be a fly on the wall, or uh, just to be able to read those emails about yeah the thought process around changing that headline. But again, not only did you know, UCP cabinet ministers and staff retweet the headline. The UCP themselves took that 1.28 billion number and pushed it out there as if it was a real number. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, let's let's take a minute to just kind of like dive in into, you know, what Alan's inquiry actually said. I mean, they had two years, they had three and a half million dollars. They had a whole bunch of fancy lawyers and accountants it's, do the same work that you did, right? It's two years ago. I'm just shocked at what, at, at how, where this money went. Yes, yes, it's it is incredible when you think about it. Uh, but but their big top line number one point two eight billion dollars for Canadian based environmental initiatives. That's that's a big number. That sounds that sounds really scary. Yeah. Uh, but but when you actually figure out what Canadian based environmental initiatives mean, uh, and the foreign funding that they're receiving, it, it turns out that a third of that one point two eight billion dollars goes to one organization. One organization that the Allen Inquiry, you know, had to redact out of its own report, and that's Ducks Unlimited Canada. Yeah. And, well, and it, but, but so much of it went into major conservation projects. Yes, which 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 is Ducks Unlimited Canada's game, right? They're a conservation yeah. group. Yeah. And so this huge bucket of money, this one point two eight billion dollars, vast majority of it, is for you know incredibly uncontroversial. An unsexy conservation work, but which gets lumped into this big giant <laughs> evil bucket of money. Yeah. But then the Allen, you actually read the report and you get down to the to the actual bits. And the Allen Inquiry was only able to find fifty four million dollars between two thousand and three and two thousand nineteen that was earmarked for opposition to Alberta resource development. What? Is that is that a? Can you put those numbers in perspective for us, Sandy? Well, you know, I tracked a lot of this. Now, the the years that I was looking at were were slightly different. When I went into this, I was looking at um, 2009 to 2019, and, and I found about 40 
million dollars. So <clears throat> I'm not surprised that the at, at, at that it's that he came up with a 54 million. But he also there was a little bit of a range because he couldn't uh, verify anything because he didn't talk to anybody and he didn't actually get to the horse's mouth on any any of these grants. It, it was really it really was um, a Google search. Um, I mean, and and this gets back to the genesis and the beginning of the Tar Sands campaign, because that's almost all of this $54 million was the, was the Tar Sands campaign or organizations that went on to um, form the Tar Sands campaign. And really the key issue that I think still is unanswered, but should be answered um, and is known to all the participants was, you know, it's kind of the chicken and the egg question, which came first, the foreign funding or the tar sands campaign? Did the tar sands campaign and the organizations that formed it, um, did they create the tar sands campaign and then go out looking for money? Hint, hint, yes. Um, or did the foreign funders, did the foreign funders gen generate the tar sands campaign and then look for Canadian grassroots organizations to follow their instructions and, um, and do this anti- Alberta activism? Answer, no. We never got that far. But I think that was actually the key question, it's, is what was the real driver here? And all of this has, you know, depended, we haven't talked yet about Vivian Krauss, but all of this has depended on the kind of framing that Vivian Krauss consistently makes in all of her coverage of this, which is that the funders are driving this, the funders are creating the narrative, the funders, the foreigners are telling Canadian dupes what to do. And anybody who's remotely familiar with the individuals, the genesis, the personalities behind this, the organizations that got involved in it, it's perfectly obvious. In fact, it's right there in the, in the, um, um, uh, infamous uh, uh, PowerPoint presentation, the keynote document, which was supposedly came out of the Rockefeller Brothers Foundation and this this New York, supposed New York um, um, uh, conference room meeting, where supposedly the Tar Sands campaign was hatched and and created by the Rockefeller Brothers Foundation. In fact, if you look if you look at the document itself. It names the Pembina Institute as being pretty much the founding organization behind it. It's right there in the document. But this has been for over a decade. This has been flamed out as the Rockefeller Brothers Foundation started this. In fact, what we all, what anybody who has any um, knowledge of this field knows is that um, this, that the Tar Sands campaign. Uh, and Sephora Berman was part of it. The Pembina people at the time were part of it. Uh, there were other organizations that that were that got involved in it, and they created it. And then they went looking for the dollars to fund it, and they found those dollars in international global foundations that fund grassroots citizens' movements worldwide. That's what yes. happened. Again, all entirely legal, uh, you know, people exercising their rights uh, to freedom of association and freedom of expression. <laughs> but but yes. but Sonia Savage 
has one one message. And if there was one big takeaway I took from Sonia Savage's press conference, it was uh, Albertans have a right to be mad. And that was the <laughs> the final sentence. That's how she closed it off. Uh, she was answering a question from the New York Times guy. New York Times, yeah. And that perfectly encapsulates the <laughs> the feeling uh, of what this inquiry was all about. It's it's all about my feelings are more important than your facts, and my feelings were hurt when you said all those mean things about the tar sands, and we didn't like that one little bit. And um, and so they're not getting... the tar sands; they're the oil sands, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the the whole the whole thing about feelings, about the people should be outraged, their feelings should be hurt. I mean, you you didn't make you didn't produce a document that really offered up uh like a good reason for why people should be angry. <laughs> if nothing wrong or bad or illegal occurred, yeah. what is there to be so mad about? If anything, the document should make them all ashamed of what they did and how easily they got hosed. And it's not just by, um, you know, I, I've mentioned Vivian Krauss, but it's more than that. It's the National Post pounding this drum relentlessly, but it is not just um, them. It's the people in positions of power. This goes back to the Stephen Harper government. This goes back to Joe Oliver's infamous letter uh, open letter calling um, um, environmentalists, you know, these radicals, these foreign funded radicals, the language that has been used for over a decade about activists looking to um, stop the expansion of oil and gas um, out of Canada, oil and gas extraction in Canada. And what's so concerning here is that this whole thing got whipped up by these by these people they are the authors of this they own this they created it no wonder albertans are angry they made them angry they whipped them up into a frenzy and then they were supposed to produce the verdict that was going to show how terrible all of these activists were who by the way never stopped any of the expansion of oil and gas in Alberta Alberta oil oil sands extraction has increased at the second highest rate of any oil producing area in the world second only to the um, Permian basin in the United States uh, this got this frenzy got whipped up entirely by these people and now they are trying to justify themselves when they've got a report that completely undercuts everything that they've had to say. Those foreign-funded radicals at Ducks Unlimited are at it again, Sandy. Uh, it's also just worth worth pointing out quickly that the new CEO of Ducks Unlimited Canada, Canada is a, is a person named Larry Kalmeyer, who is Jason Kenney's former principal secretary and interim chief of staff. Which, uh, to be fair, a couple of journalists have pointed out this fact. Uh, we we dug this up. Um, Later, the only reason we know that it was Ducks Unlimited uh, that received four hundred and twenty-nine million dollar wasn't wasn't deliberately through the inquiry. Uh, they tried to redact out the names of a bunch of conservation organizations, but they did so in a way that 
wasn't effective, like didn't work. You could just copy and paste the uh, the table out and put it into a new document and you could find out what was in there. So, Well, there's also this small matter, Duncan, that I was telling everybody it was Ducks Unlimited because I've tracked all these dollars and I knew it was Ducks Unlimited. Yeah, they're a huge clearinghouse for money. They, this, they... Is, this is publicly available information. If anybody who has the ability now to, to log on to the, um, the website that both... Steve Allen and I used to track this. It was all right there. Anybody could find it, but you have to have a membership on, on this site. But anyway. Well, not, it's not too uh, high a uh, financial barrier for Steve Allen, considering you know he's getting paid nearly $300,000 a year and he had a $3.5 million budget. <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> nobody, nobody will pay me. Where's my money? I can't even build an um, inquiry like certain other people that shall remain nameless. Yes, and and you your point about uh, the drumbeat and how this was a deliberate political project of those on the right, I think that's worth exploring as well, right? Like this was how this was a key part of of the mythos of Jason Kenney that he built up around himself that he was going to strive in save the economy, uh, you know, punish his political opponents, ride to the rescue of the Alberta economy and the Alberta people, and. Uh, ergo, you should elect me. This this was his his story, right? And now it it lies in shambles, and mm. and uh, and post media was was with him there the whole way. Specifically, Terrence Corcoran, and you know, a name who's who was found essentially Vivian Krauss blogging on the internet, and turned her uh, into what she became, which was the kind of progenitor of this theory that has now been essentially discredited by. <laughs> by the government that took it up from so seriously. And 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 it's more than that. In fact, this is actually something that deserves real um, examination sometime, someday, because it's more than that. I mean, I go back to the Duffy diaries. Um, remember Mike Duffy? And he actually maintained diaries that ended up being entered into exhibit when he was when he was charged in that bribery case and the diaries show that he was called by Ezra Levant about Vivian Krauss in January of 2012 um, uh, just uh, um, just two or three days before Joe Oliver issued his letter a letter which you know smeared uh, environmentalists um, that was published in, by Terence Corcoran in the Financial Post, and Terence Corcoran took credit for that and said that this was because of Vivian Krauss's research. And then Mike Duffy's diaries show multiple meetings between with and conversations and phone calls uh, involving CEPA, the Canadian Energy Pipeline Association. Uh, Rest in peace. Uh, Rest in peace. That organization's now gone. Yes, rest in peace, that organization is now gone. But multiple conversations showing that, in fact, there was a coordinated, demonstrating a coordinated attempt by the, by the Stephen Harper government to smear and vilify environmentalists. And then what happened? And this is actually really important. The CRA audits were launched. Those were had an incredibly silencing and intimidating effect on everybody in the nonprofit world. Um, but not only that, there were RCMP and CSIS investigations that were launched. Many people that I spoke to as part of my research talked about the fact 
that they either knew or strongly suspected that they were being investigated by the police. The, the government in power turned what were, are supposed to be independent instruments. The CRA is supposed to be independent. The RCMP and CSIS are supposed to be independent. You're not supposed to, as prime minister, be able to order an investigation on your political enemies for expressing their opinions. This is this totally is straight out of the Trump world of lock them up, you know, get rid of them, silence them, intimidate them, shut them down. It cost millions of dollars for a lot of those organizations to defend themselves from the CRA audits. There's never been an accounting for um, how dangerous this was to individuals. And I think people who are not part of the environmental community, and I'm not really part of the environmental community. I've always come at this from a civil liberties um, and, and political freedom and from a charter perspective. And I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm concerned that people who were not part of the environmental community never really got very upset um, or upset enough about about the dangers to civil liberties that this uh, vilification and this campaign, this orchestrated campaign against environmentalists took. Uh, but at least uh, we've all lived to see uh, the whole thing come down in flames, and it's and I I think it's over. <laughs> it uh, it certainly seems. As if it's over. I mean, I, I think it's all over, but the kind of media analysis and how it's going to be viewed, and and I think that's that's a good way to end this uh, this podcast out is with two separate pieces. Uh, one, uh, which I found very funny to read, was uh, Terence Corcoran's piece in the Financial Post. Again, the man responsible for bringing Vivian Krauss to essentially the public spotlight, and uh, unsurprisingly, uh, he thinks the report was great, though he has shifted the goalposts a little bit. Uh, the headline, Report on Environmental Groups Targeting Alberta Oil Exposes Disastrous Charitable System. Um, so he getting, he kind of, because there's no finding of wrongdoing, there's no finding of misinformation, it, it's all about hurt feelings, he ends up focusing on uh, the charitable system and how the charitable system must be reformed. And uh, you know what? Sure. I mean, I'm sure there's, 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 stuff that could be done to improve disclosure of, of how charities work. I don't, uh, I don't imagine that the inquiries recommendations are actually going to, to come to anything given who's in charge right now. But there is a line from the piece that I want to bring up, which is very funny. Quote, the report is also a major vindication of the pioneering research conducted by Vivian Krauss. Snore. <laughs> which is yeah. a very funny take that you will literally not see repeated anywhere else. Also, the fact that there was nothing illegal in the tax and charity activities is besides the point. Uh, well, that's a very convenient tack yeah, for him to take. Is beside the point. They are innocent, but that wasn't the point. <laughs> the fact that they did nothing wrong isn't the point. The point is my feelings were hurt and we didn't like it. And so we, uh, yeah, we did all that shit and, uh, we harmed civil society in a, in a real way. And, um, and now it's kind of coming back to bite us in the ass. Um, I mean, I'm and, not going to, I'm not going to get into the details of Corcoran's piece cause it is just like him essentially being a whiny baby, but anyways, mm -hmm. the other piece that's, that's worth, uh, talking about is the, uh, it came out today as from the New York times from Ian Austin at the New York times. 
headline, Alberta took on environmental groups, but only proved they did nothing wrong. And uh, have you had a chance to read this yet, Sandy? I have. I have. Yes. It's a good piece. Yes. It's very, good. very, very reasonable. It's not even that long, really. It's kind of just a summation. Is there anything you want to pull out of it? Only what I mentioned earlier, which is is that um, uh, putting together the two key numbers, which is in the in the period um, that the uh, increase studied, two thousand three to twenty nineteen, um, Canadian environmental groups raised uh, eight eight point one billion dollars, um, and of that, uh, about fifty four million dollars, maybe. Um, went to uh, pipeline and oil and gas opposition from foreign funders. And, and again, as I say, that's less than 1%. And it, it, this is just, this has such a non-issue. This has been, this, these people should all be embarrassed to have blown something out of proportion so much, but entirely for their own political benefit. Let's be very clear as to who the beneficiaries were of all of this controversy. And people got hurt. You know, I wrote a, a piece earlier in the summer about Sephora Berman being grabbed and spit on in, I believe, the Edmonton airport. Other people who, just ordinary citizens in small communities in British Columbia, um, who were physically attacked, stalked, who saw people stalking them outside their offices, uh, other people who are, who, whose lives, whose personal lives really suffered and who had to be afraid for themselves and for their children, for their families. This was all caused by these people. And they did it deliberately and they did it for their own benefit. I think this is a this is a terrible outrage. It's not just about the abuse of power, although that's really crucial. It's about the naked political opportunism, the carelessness with which these people treated other people's safety, yeah. and lives and families, they and were, how dangerous that was. They were willing to light civil society on fire for you know a, a, a tiny political benefit, um, and, and the New York Times piece is really a contrast to Terrence Corcoran's piece, right? Yeah. Uh, quote, instead of giving Kenny the firepower he sought to diminish the influence of environmental groups, the inquiry's findings offered little support of Kenny's argument, uh, which is a very polite way of saying, yeah, there's nothing there. <laughs> and, the, and, the and, but here's, here's the disaster for Jason Kenny is that people do read the New York Times and they don't read the National Post unless they're already inside the tent. The National Post isn't going to persuade anybody of anything. But um, um, Sonia Savage could go and take out her billboard in Times Square and, and, and good luck with that after a report like this in the New York Times. Yes, a billboard in Times Square is not worth uh, very much compared to an article in the New York Times, just from a pure earned media perspective. Uh, it's, you know, it was very satisfying to see this thing fall on its face, to see Savage squirm up on the on the podium. Uh, again, I was personally targeted. There was a report that came out citing Vivian Krause's work that deliberately referenced me and very particularly referenced me and my organization that we were up to no good, that, that what we were doing was evidence of some grand dark conspiracy. And uh, the government looked into it. They hired one of their own people to look into it. And not only was Progress Alberta not named, the, the inquiry 
blows up all the like the most overheated rhetoric that came out of, of Kenny and his allies in regards to the whole foreign funded environmentalist program. So it's very satisfying is all I'm saying. Well, you should, you should be happy. Good on you. And, and um, um, you know, there were a lot of people who waited a long time for the satisfaction of being vindicated by this report. And um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you that you are among them. Thanks. Thanks, Sandy. So I think, I think that's it for the pod. Uh, is there a, what's the best way for people to kind of follow along with uh, your work and uh, you know, we'll link to your uh, thing in the show notes, but what's the best way for people to kind of keep track of uh, what you're up to on the internet? Well, people can read. There are a number of pieces that I've written on this subject over a number of years that people can read on the national observer. And I think that they are, I think they're posting and linking those uh, there and several of them over the years. Um, and then of course me on Twitter at Garasino on Twitter. Yes. And uh, thanks. Thanks again for coming on Sandy. It's uh, great to have you on again. And okay. uh, it's great to have you on in, in such kind of like uh, not happy times, but to just, it's good to see something like this go down in flames. It's very satisfying. <laughs> um. And uh, folks, if you like this podcast, you want to keep hearing more podcasts like this, there's a very simple thing you can do. You can join the 500 or so other folks who help keep this independent media project going. Uh, the link is in the show notes, but you can also go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons. You put in your credit card, $5, 10 $15 a month, whatever you can afford. We really appreciate it. Also, if you have any notes, thoughts, or comments that you think I need to hear, I am very easy to reach. I am on Twitter far too much at, at Duncan Kinney, and you can reach me by email at, at uh, Duncan K at progressalberta.ca. Thanks to Jim Story for editing this podcast. Thanks to Jamie Crummins for Chase Producing. Thanks to Cosmic Famu Communist for our theme. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.